But I was a kid. Yesterday? Yesterday? Yeah. You do? I didn't even know what it was until 15 minutes ago. So, um, I was a kid. I think I was in fifth or sixth grade. So, how many years ago was that? Forty-seven. Uh, how many? Forty-seven. Forty-seven. Wow. I'm only forty-five, but okay. Uh, no, about about thirty-five years ago, we did a, a musical uh, about. I remember what it was about? Actually, I heard David Crockett was in it. Or was it Daniel Boone? One of the two guys. I don't know. But anyway, there was a song in it. It was kind of my motto. I probably should base my motto on my life on somebody actually who it was. Huh? Um, but the song basically he said, "Be sure you're right, and then go ahead." Um, you know, you got a big problem. How do you solve it? Be sure you're right, and then go ahead. Um, you know, that might be a good motto, but it leaves some things out because sometimes it's kind of hard to know when you're right, right? There are some issues where you look at it and you go, eh, I, I don't know what to do here. Uh, I with a friend yesterday on Facebook who there is an issue that's come up in his town and he, he, he doesn't know how to respond because if he responds biblically, they call it hate. If he responds not at all, people who want him to respond get mad because he doesn't respond. And then I was like, well, there's just nothing you can do. You have to do what you can do. And so I began to think this week about those hard issues in life, those hard things that, that we do, um, the things that really just make life tough. And today we're in a very familiar passage uh, that can speak so much truth into our lives during those times. Have you ever been overwhelmed? Maybe you have it, you're blessed, okay. You ever feel attacked on every side? Not sure if, if you can really handle the day-to-day? -day. The rubber meets the road for our faith in that spot where these things happen. <clears throat> How are we going to handle these situations? What are we going to do when we are bombarded on every side by, by attacks that we don't know how to handle? That's where we find ourselves going, okay, this is where our faith either shows to be true or our faith falters. And so our passage this morning is over in, in 1 Samuel. Uh, Israel is in the land. You know, they're not in, they're not in Egypt. They're not wandering in the wilderness. They're in the land. They have been in the land for some time. And they, well, had decided they wanted to reject God because they wanted a king. They didn't want to just follow God and the judges. But they have been <laughs> successful, but their follow-through on God's command has left some neighbors to contend with them. They were supposed to go in and wipe everybody out and start all over. But, you know, they they didn't ask God about some things. They made they made treaties over here, and they didn't complete things over here, and they didn't do this over here, so there are people in the land that they have to deal with, and we find them in a situation that's created by that in 1 Samuel 17. 
where we talk about this story of David and Goliath. And we know, we know David and Goliath. We know the children's story and how we tell it about how the little bitty 12-year-old boy walks up to the giant who is a monster of a man. You know, he's you know, 10 foot tall and bulletproof. He, he's walking, talking. He has been trained since he was a little bitty. But not only has he been trained, his size, and he goes out every morning. And he taunts Israel. And that's where we pick up in verse 16 of this chapter. It's a long chapter. I'm going to read it. I know I've been told I have 10 or 15 slides of scripture back there. I tried to cut things out and I couldn't. So here we are. But there in verse 16 it says, Every morning and evening for 40 days the Philistine came forward and took his stand. And one day Jesse had told his son David, Take this half bushel of roasted grain along with these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers. And hurry to their camp. Also take these ten portions of cheese to the field commander. Check on the welfare of your brothers and bring a confirmation from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David got up early in the morning, left the flock with someone to keep it, loaded up, and set out as Jesse had instructed him. He arrived at the perimeter of the camp as the army was marching out to its battle formation, shouting the battle cry. Israel and the Philistines lined up in battle formation facing each other. David left his supplies in the care of the quartermaster and ran to the battle line. When he arrived, he asked his brothers how they were. And while he was speaking with them, suddenly the champion named Goliath, the Philistine from Gath, came forward from the Philistine battle line and shouted his usual words, which David heard. When all the Israelite men saw Goliath, they retreated from him terrified. Previously, an Israelite man had declared, Do you see this man who keeps coming out? He comes to defy Israel. The king will make the man who kills him very rich and will give him his daughter. The king will also make the household of that man's father exempt from paying taxes in Israel. David spoke to the men who were standing with him. What will be done for the man who kills that Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The people told him about the offer, concluding... That is what will be done for the man who kills him. David's oldest brother, Eliab, listened as he spoke to the man and became angry with him. Why did you come down here? He asked. Who did you leave those few sheep with in the wilderness? I know your arrogance and your evil heart. You came down to see the battle. What have I done now? Protested David. It was just a question. Then he turned from those beside him to others in front of him and asked about the offering. People gave him the same answer as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. So he had David brought to him. And David said to Saul, Don't let anyone be discouraged by him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. But Saul replied, You can't go fight this Philistine. You're just a youth. And he's been a warrior since he was young. And David answered Saul, Your servant has been tending his father's sheep. Whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it, struck it down, and rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Then David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul had his own military clothes put on David. He put on a bronze helmet on David's head and had him put on armor. David strapped his sword over the military clothes and tried to walk, but he was not used to them. I can't walk in these, David said to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. Instead, he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in the pouch in his shepherd's bag. 
Then with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. The Philistine came closer and closer to David with the shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he despised him because he was just a young youth, healthy and handsome. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come against me with sticks? That he cursed David by his gods. Come here, the Philistine called to David, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts. And David said to the Philistine, You come against me with a dagger, spear, and sword, but I come against you in the name of Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel's armies. You have defied him. Today the Lord will hand you over to me. Today I'll strike you down. Cut your head off and give the corpses of the Philistine camp to the birds of the sky and the creatures of the earth. Then all the world will know that Israel has a God. And this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, but the battle is the Lord's. He will hand you over to us. When the Philistines started forward to attack him, David ran quickly to the battle line to meet the Philistines. David put his hand in the bag, took out a stone and slung it and hit the Philistine on his forehead. The stone, stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. David defeated the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Even though David had no sword, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He grabbed the Philistine's sword, pulled it from its sheath and used it to kill him. Then he cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they ran. The men of Israel and Judah rallied, shouting their battle cry, and chased the Philistines to the entrance of the valley into the gates of Ekron. And Philistine bodies were strewn all along the Sharaim road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from the pursuit of the Philistines, they plundered their camps. David took Goliath's head and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put Goliath's weapons in his own tent. When Saul had seen David go out to confront the Philistine, he asked Abner, the commander of the army, whose son is this you? My king, as surely as you live, I don't know, Abner replied. The king said, find out whose son this young man is. And when David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the Philistine's head still in his hand. Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? The son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem, David answered. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Glory, Father, make, make your message known today. Use me as a vessel. Father, let us hear with open ears this morning. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his sake. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. I love that story. I can probably stop there and we can go home. Don't say anything. <laughs> I stop there and go. But God has more than He wants to say. As I read this, we look at this and we think back. I was taking a quiz online a few years back about it was an entrance quiz to an online Bible school. And they asked this question about who killed a giant in some chapter of the Bible. And, you know, everybody put David. But it wasn't David, it was Jonathan. And that made me think about this when I look at this. Because the first thing, even though it's not written in the text, that we have to realize is that there is always a giant. There will always be a giant. There's always going to be something there. It isn't if, it's when. There's always something or someone to stand in the way of your walk of faith. There's always something that's going to test your belief. A giant. It was literal for David. David walked up and there was a giant there defying God. For us, it might not be literal. For us, maybe something that just hovers over us, making us doubt where we stand with God, making us fearful of, of stepping out in faith. Maybe it's our finances. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's family matters. Maybe it's an employment matter. 
Maybe it's a school matter or relationships or church life or faith. We have these things. We have these giants. And giants always taunt. Always. I mean, that giant was coming out every morning and he was just saying, Hey, y'all come on out. Who is there there? Why do you come out and line up? I'm a Philistine. You're servants of Saul. Choose one man and come fight me. If he wins, we'll serve you. We win, you serve us. Come on down. Giants taunt. Giants look at you and say, Your faith is not enough. They always make you feel small. They always make you feel as if you can't do it. They're always trying to make you forget the power of the one that you follow. They give us the things that we have that are just lacking. Your faith isn't strong enough. Your God isn't big enough. It'll never happen. It's, it's going to fall away. Giants taunt. That's what they do. They might want us to forget the power of the person that we're following. They want us to forget the things that we can do to defeat the taunting giants in our life that we find in this passage. And the first thing is we have to be where our Father tells us to be. We picked up there in verse 16. And Jesse says to David, Take these things and go to the battle. Take these things and go check on your brothers and bring me back a report. If David would have said, Dad, that's the battle line. I don't want to go to the battle line. That's, that's a journey. I don't want to do it. If David would have said that, we wouldn't have this account of David and God. <clears throat> we have to be where our Father tells us to be. If David didn't go where his father told him to go when his father told him to go, he wouldn't have heard the taunts. Because David, Jesse could have said, take these things, and David could have said, well, let me go check on the sheep first. Let me get these chores done first. Have you ever done that? God says, do this, and let, God, let me finish this first, and then I'll get to what you want me to do. But David went when he was told to go. And because he went when he was told to go, as he was talking to his brother, Goliath comes out. If David would have delayed, he wouldn't have heard the taunts. If David would have delayed, he wouldn't have been there in that moment. And he would not have been infuriated by what was going on. He wouldn't have been there to know. He wouldn't have heard the guy beside him say, you know, that guy's a big guy. But whoever takes him out, the king is going to bless him. Woo! He wouldn't have heard any of that because he wouldn't have been where he needed to be. If we're going to slay our giants, we have to be where our Father tells us to be. I don't know where that's at for you. Hopefully it's here on Sunday morning. Maybe on Wednesday night. I thought I'd throw that out there. No. We have to be where God wants us to be. Where our Father tells us to go. If God has a plan for us to be in a place and we don't meet that plan, what happens? What falls apart? What does God have to move around because we don't listen? We have to be where our Father tells us to be in order to defeat our job. We have to be positioned properly for the battle ahead. You ever get caught up watching the videos online? The cute little videos? Have you seen the one, the, the one about all the dads who, who make the miraculous catches of the babies? 
the babies who are sitting on the couch and they flip off and, and dad's reading his book or something and he goes, he catches the baby. Because <laughs> he's right where he needs to be. He's perfectly positioned. Or the one of my favorites where the kid's in that little, the red and yellow car and just zooming down the hill and he's going to run into whatever he's going to run into, a baby or a kid, and dad comes running past it and grabs up that kid. Perfectly positioned where he needs to be. We've got to be perfectly positioned where God would have us to be. And to do that, we have to be where God tells us to be. If we're not where God tells us to be, we stand no chance of being in the position to defeat our giant because our giant has... I'm going to make that thing here. The giant has the high ground. Star Wars representation. <laughs> we have to be where God tells us to be. We have to go there. But we also have to have a heart that is moved by the things that move God. David hears Goliath. And he's standing in the midst of all these trained soldiers who were shaken in their armor. And David, the shepherd boy, says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would talk that way about the armies of the living God? What he says? He's mad. He's upset. Because what is going on? Man, he's like, Whoo! This is not what God wants. God done told us once to take them out. Why aren't we taking them out? He says, get up and do it. We have to be moved by the things that move God. Let me give you a hint here. If you aren't moved by the things that move God, you won't have a drive to stand for God. Mm. I saw a sign this week that I almost posted to Facebook, but I didn't want to be offensive. Um, it was a church sign that said don't tell me you're prepared to die for your faith if you aren't prepared to go to church for your faith I went oh ouch but it's true if you don't have a heart Moved 
for the things that move God, you will be moved. If biblical morality isn't important to you, you won't fight for it in our society. Have you looked at our country lately?
had bears and they tried to come get me and I'd them by the hair, slap them across the face, slit their throat, and I'm done. Because God will give them to you. God will do this. God has pre prepared you to fight the giants in your life. Man, David's like, I killed them with the bare hands. God gave them to me. He gave me the skills. God has given me the skills to do this, King. Let me use it. Let me in there. Let me go. Here's the other thing. David didn't run out there and do it by himself. David was at the line. He heard and said, he just said, stay here, guys. He didn't do that. He sat there, well, what should I do? And he talked to the king first. And the king said, he said, let me put me in. Put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. I'm ready. Let's go. God has uniquely prepared you for the giants that you're going to encounter. He's given you the tools and the skills that you need. Trust in the training that God has given you. Man, I love David. Oh, it's just like a lion. I'm going to kill him too. I ain't worried, King. You don't be worried. God, David knew that God had prepared him, and God has prepared you. But here's the key don't fight your battle on someone else's battlefield. Saul said, Well, okay. Um, but here's my armor. Put my helmet on. Put my armor on. Strap your sword on. Last week, Shiloh, for the first time, wanted to dress up for church. We got to church and said, Daddy, can I borrow one of your jackets? Sure, kid. <laughs> and I let him. That's David. He has this armor on. He can barely move. The sword's dragging the ground. And he's going, no, no, no. Saul, the king, I'm not going to fight him like this. If I go out there like this, I'm going to lose. I'm going to do what I need to do. It didn't fit. He didn't know how to use it. He felt uncomfortable in it. If David would have worn the armor, we would have been fighting Goliath on Goliath's terms. But David changed the terms. Now we could preach messages on why he needed five stones, Mary. We could preach messages on that. I, I, don't, I don't think it matters how many stones he had. But David said, okay, I'm going to take off the armor. Okay, kid? And Saul's going, kid? I think the reason he asked Abner whose kid it was because he was planning on going and making the, the, the call to the house to say your kid was killed. The giant squashed him like a bug because he wouldn't even wear my armor. It's not my fault. I mean, that's who Saul was. Saul tried to cover himself quite a bit. So Saul's going, it's not my fault. I gave him the armor and he wouldn't wear it. David said, can you keep your armor? And he got his, he got his bag. He grabbed his sling. He grabbed five stones from the wadi and he took his stick, the tools that he knew how to use, and he went out to fight his giant. We have to fight our giants on our terms. We can't go and fight our giants with tools that we don't know. It doesn't make any sense. David went running out there and he said, okay, I'm going to do this. And then the Philistine walks up and he went, <laughs> really? Am I a dog? That you're going to come after me with a stick? Kid, 
I'm going to kill you and give your body to the birds. I probably would have been scared at that point. I'm six foot three. David said, no, that's not what's going to happen, but that's my paraphrase. He said, you have defied the armies of the living God. You come at me with a dagger and a spear and a sword, you could have went on, and you have a shield bearer, and you're wearing armor, and you've got a helmet. you got all these things, and you're coming at me, but I come at you in the name of Yahweh of hosts, the Lord of Israel. And when I'm done with you, I'm not only going to kill you, I'm going to cut off your head, and I'm going to feed it to the birds and the beasts. Goliath advances. Can you imagine the look on Goliath's face when David just kind of went, this is how I imagine it. Starts advancing at David. Okay. What was the last thing that went through Goliath's mind before he died? A rock. I mean, there it was. And David took off right at him and hit him right in the forehead and it said it hit him so hard it sunk in. And he fell over there. And he did it because he fought the giant on his terms. But here's something very important for us to remember. Fancy, bold, and courageous. It's not quoted here, but man, it's there. Look at that altercation. The giant taunts the boy, the boy stands firm. He's bold, he's courageous. <laughs> I don't care who you think you are, you uncircumcised Philistine, because God's going to give you in my hand. But here's something we can't stop in verse 51, because we have to finish what God has given us to do. Goliath fell over. And that was the end of him, but he wasn't dead yet. David had made a promise. What did he say? I'm going to cut your head off. What kind of faith does that take for a boy who doesn't even have a knife on? I mean, he's got five stones and a stick. I don't know how to stick. And he said, I'm going to cut your head off. And so when Delilah fell, what did he do? He ran over to the body. He picked up that sword. And he finished the job. We have to finish what we start. How many things do we start for God and never finish the work? We can't know what would have happened if David didn't cut his head off. But he finished the work. I mean, and when he did, the Philistines took off running. I have a feeling closer to probably would have been going, come on, get up, Goliath, get up, Goliath, get up, get up, get up, get up. Come on, get up. And then he cut his head off and went, ah! <laughs> Man, the Philistines went, oh, no! And took off. And it says, bodies were strewn all the way back to their towns. Because he finished when he started. If God calls us to do something and wants us to stand up against the giant, we have to see it through. We have to finish what God has given us to do. We can't 
not finish. So many times things come back because we don't finish. That's what Israel had done, right? They came into the promised land and they didn't finish. And now they're having to deal with Goliath. Because God said, come in and take it all out. Start all over. And they didn't finish. When we don't finish the things that God gives us to do, things come back. Anybody watch Dr. Pickle Popper? You know, and she, 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 she cuts open those oozy boils and cysts and stuff. What does she say every time? i got to make sure I get the whole sack because we don't want it to come back. you got to finish what you start. If God has brought you here and you are defeating the giant, you can't go, I'll take a break now. It's good. I've got him on his knees. I'm good now. Y'all take over. Something I'm trying to teach my child when he's playing a game. And he gets to a point and goes, Daddy, this is too hard. I'm like, keep going, son. You got it. You'll get there. You'll make it work. Finish what you saw. Here's my little footnote. In verse 54, it says, He took his armor and put them in his tent. He took his head and took it to Jerusalem. That's kind of gross. But he put the last weapons in his tent. Why did he do that? Because every time he looked at that, he knew if God can deliver us from the hands of that beast, he can deliver you from the situation of war. We have to remember the past. But we don't have to live it. Are you ready to slay your giant today? Are you ready to stand up and look at your giant square in the eyes and say, you can't have this child of God. You can't have this family. You can't have any of these things that you think you want. Get behind me, say, not today, devil, not today. Are you ready to slay your giant today? Because I know we all have them. I know there are lots of giants in this room. And we don't talk about our giants. I don't know how we hide our giants. We like shove them in the closet thinking nobody's ever going to see it. You know, you've seen those cartoons, right? Where the, where the giant and the wolf's in the closet. And you can see his fur coming out the door. We're trying to hide him, but he's there. And we hide our giants because we can't let anybody else know about because we want to fight them by ourselves. But part of the terms of the church is that we don't fight alone. You don't fight by yourself. The battle isn't won by anything but the Lord. Maybe today you have been struggling against a giant that you just do not know how to overcome. It's time to stop and say, okay, God, I will go where you want me to go. I will do what you want me to do. I will stand where you want me to stand, and I will finish what you tell me to start. Maybe this morning. Maybe you've been struggling with something else that, that you just need to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. 
Maybe you want to share the missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never taken a step to say, I want, I want that relationship. I want to know that I don't walk alone. I want to know that, that He has my back. I want to know that when I stand there and I face down the giant, that Jesus is going, yep, I got this. It's time to walk the aisle instead of the trial. I want to know Jesus. It's not hard. You tell me that and we will go from there. But whatever you need this morning, wherever you're at, give it to Him. Would you pray for me? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and praise you for your blessings.